Blog Talk Radio. From Washington, D.C., this is Caroline. Each week, we bring you the best conversations, news, interviews, and politics here on Caroline. To hear the show live, check us out each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern or listen on the go by downloading this podcast from iTunes. Welcome to Kara Live. Long time no speak. Yes, yes, yes. I took a little hiatus. I needed a break. Very, very, very. Did I say very? I've been very busy. Um, got a lot of stuff going on, but need to join you guys tonight. Uh, I didn't send out my uh, email, um, my listserv today. So a lot of people are probably not aware that I am back on the air tonight. I'll send one, send the blast out tomorrow so um, you can catch the show on demand. But again, you know, I am back on. The show is at Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, the new website is up, caralive.com. Actually, caralive.com has been on for a while, but I needed to update, upgrade, the website, and I did so. Um, if you go from the website, uh, check out the diary page, and the diary page has the blog, and you can click on the uh, link to go directly to the blog. And if you get to um, the blog, which is also at um, carolive.blogspot.com, it features some additional news information and other stuff. Um, that you might want to check out. But again, go to the website, carealive.com. And again, since I've been, since the last time I was on, there has been a lot of news and a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Obama's now out of the country. Uh, McCain is whining. Uh, McCain's surrogates are, are making all kind of um, interesting comments, to say the least. And Jesse Jackson um, on the open mic, and it's all kind of uh, um, things that are happening uh, politically related uh, in the news. But I'll start with um, my blog uh, for today and the title of the show also, which is Does the Media Love Obama? Oh, I forgot. I always start with Today is Wednesday. July 23rd, 2008. Again, today is Wednesday, July 23rd, 2008. Okay, today's blog is Does the Media Love Obama, which is also the title of tonight's show. As I as written, I said, on Friday, July 18, 2008, Obama left for his much anticipated international trip. With him, an entourage of media and the anchors from all three major networks, CBS, NBC, and ABC, respectively. 
The cause of all the attention, the pundits and McCain campaign are taunting media bodies. Remember, McCain toured Iraq in March 2008 with Lieberman, Lieberman who's an independent out of Connecticut, and Lindsey Graham, Senator, Republican out of um, South Carolina, without massive media. If it wasn't for Lieberman, McCain was oblivious between the difference between the uh, Al-Qaeda and Iran extremists while they were on that trip. If you recall, there's a, uh, a segment where you see uh, Lieberman whispering in uh, McCain's ear after he makes a segment. If you look at the blog, there's a uh, link that goes straight to the uh, clip that's on uh, YouTube. Anyway, the media did not capitalize on his gap because of the height with the Democratic primary at the time. Interestingly enough, if Obama had made this verbal blunder, the media would still be playing it, and the right would say that he knows nothing about international policy or how to handle the war. McCain did an interview this past Monday with Good Morning America, and while he's on this interview, he's mentioning the, quote, Iraq-Pakistan border. Again, he gets away with it. There is no Iran, I mean Iraq-Pakistan border. If he doesn't know the geographic territory, then how can he be the commander-in-chief and command what happens in those areas if he's president? He comes off as not having a clue. All right, remember Michelle Obama's statement, for the first time in my adult life, I'm proud of my country. I find it odd that McCain has made similar comments in the past. He said, I really didn't love my, I didn't really, sorry, I really didn't love America until I was deprived of her company. Because of Michelle Obama's statement, she was portrayed as unpatriotic. But McCain gets away with it without a scratch. After McCain returned from his trip to Iraq, he taunted Obama because he had not been there in over two years. He even suggested that they take the trip together. Of course, if Obama would have agreed to a collaborative trip, it would have been perceived that McCain is showing Obama's territory as an inexperienced senator. So Obama did what he had to do. He took the trip on his own terms. I don't think McCain's camp could have predicted how big this trip would be for Obama. Otherwise, I think they would have left it alone. Now he has major, McCain that is, has major mud on his face. McCain is definitely trying to figure out how he can get some publicity by visiting the first President Bush, going to a baseball game with Rudy Giuliani, and toying with picking his VP pick this week. Regardless, it's not working. Well, although Obama has planned interviews with each network anchor, of course reporters like Andrea Mitchell of MSNBC is not happy because Obama has controlled the images released to him on this trip by only allowing military to ask questions and to take photos. 
when looking at the video of him shooting a basketball at one of the military bases and the troops flocking to him, it is notably apparent that there are a number of African-American people in service. Chris Matthews of MSNBC's Hardball pointed it out during one of his episodes. With that noted, the media has brought an important fact to surface, that black military officers are rare. Just 10 have obtained four-star rank in 60 years. With this being one of the many stories that could be told about this trip thus far, what we're mostly getting is that Obama is being presumptuous in his actions and McCain is upset by all the attention his opponent is receiving. Okay, okay, okay. Obama is a big story. He is the first African-American Democratic nominee for president. He's young. He's fresh. And, I, again, I heard Chris Matthews refer to him in, as exotic. And, of course, exotic is one of those code words, you people, code word for black African-Americans. So we don't want to uh, stick on the racing, so we call him exotic. <laughs> anyway. The media is fascinated, but don't get it twisted. He's only a big story because the media wants to be there if he makes a gaffe, a blunder, or totally fall on his face. Again, don't get it twisted. They don't love Obama. They just want to make sure that they're there to get the big story if he makes a blunder. And as far as benefiting from the media, McCain is winning by landslide. After, if you review the clips of all the gaps that uh, McCain has made, you have to admit that if Obama made those statements, it would make, it would have a different result, and the spin would be a lot different from the media. Obama does not have the luxury of making gaps, misstatements, or blunders. On the political playing field, there are different rules for the two remaining players. McCain should be thankful. Yes, I said it. He should be thankful that he is not judged in the same realm as Obama. If so, he would already be down for the count. One, two, three on the mat. But, of course, as McCain, he's still standing. So, as I said, tonight's topic is does the media love Obama? And also, I'm saying there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on, and I'm going to try to get as much in as possible tonight. Uh, feel free to give me a call. I am at 347-945-7415. Again, the number is 347 945 7415. And getting back to uh, the media and, and McCain. Again, there's I have like links to uh, a lot of the clips if you actually go to the website or to the blog and you can check out uh, McCain's blunders and gaffes on your own. But um, I'm really getting sick and tired um, and this is coming from someone told me I said that earlier today, and I'm, I'm sounding like Fannie Lou Hamer a, a whole lot. But I am. I'm really getting sick and tired of how the, um, the, the media is portrayed on this. Now, one good thing is that, uh, you know, uh, they did follow Obama, but they're upset because Obama is controlling the entire 
his entire image. And actually, I think it's smart, and it, I think it's smart in a lot of different ways. But from the onset of this campaign, this campaign has been run very strategic and very smart. And um, any campaign that can derail the uh, uh, the Clinton machine, of course, has to be brilliant. Because who would ever thought last year at this time that we would be talking about uh, Barack Obama as the Democratic nominee? So, uh, with that said, that that speaks volumes. Now, um, fast forwarding a little bit, I kind of hit on a couple different notes. Um, Obama. Um, this is kind of old news because I haven't been on in a while. But as you know, Obama opted out of the uh, public financing. And with that said, um, of course, it started the um, comments about him flip-flopping and, and him flip-flopping on public financing, flip-flopping on his position in Iraq, flip-flopping on uh, surge. You know, there's, there's a whole list that now that the um, uh, pundits are using and the right is is, is moving forward with. But uh, I think public finance, public financing was the first one. And the reason that they were so upset, you know, I, actually I, I kind of chuckle. You probably hear the, the chuck and the smile in my voice. Is because, again, to me, this is another brilliant move on the uh, from the Obama camp. Now, uh, since day one, you know, Obama has used the Internet to um, uh, finance his campaign or, or receive a lot of financing. He has used the Internet with small donors, and he has had a lot of fundraising events across the country. And these fundraising events, you either pay um, been like 1200 I think, or 2300 whatever the max, whatever, the max, the max you can pay for a uh, to one individual candidate, one individual can give to a candidate is twenty three hundred. So, you know, depending on the event or whatever, then uh, or who this um, the invitees are, then it could be like to the max of whatever per person. So that's the kind of fundraisers that he's been running. And again, he has used the internet like no other candidate has in the past. Um, Looks like he took a page from Howard Dean, and then he just took it to the next level. And um, it's interesting enough because it would have—I would have thought—you know—all the other candidates have websites, but nobody used the uh, contribution and the donation like Obama, and and that's how they really made a lot of their money. Anyway, going back to the public financing, so. Because he's been able to raise a lot of money on his own through grassroots, unlike the other candidates, he feels that he could raise more money than if he used the public financing. And if he used the public financing, then he's only limited to the $85 million. Obama knows he can't exceed that, and he has been doing it month after month after month prior to the general election campaign. So he, 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 he's changing the, the playing field for a lot of different things. Uh, how campaigns are run, how you get public financing, uh, even the uh, trajectory of the war, why he's over um, doing his trip as, as we speak. He has, he's changing the focus. He's changing um, 
how everything is perceived. But again, let me go back to public finance. I'm digressing. Going back to public finance, so he has um, used the internet again to uh, get donations via small donors, $25, $50. And what I think campaigns like Clinton forgot is that small donor campaign money adds up. And then the other thing about that, because of small donors, uh, campaigns like Obama's feel that they can go back to the small donors and ask again because they're nowhere close to being maxed out. So if someone gives him $25 two or three months ago, they're looking at that person again to get another $25. You know, they're going to send him an email, letter, or make a phone call or something to try to trigger that person to send them another $25, $50, $100, whatever they can send. Not asking for a lot, but that money adds up. Now, getting to uh, McCain. Okay, McCain opted to be in the public finance. Well, McCain's not raising a lot of money. So, you know, a year ago or whatever it was, uh, Obama had indicated that he was for public finance, but when he really was able to see after being the Democratic nominee that he really was capable of raising the money, um, he decided to opt out. McCain had taken that and been a flip-flop. His campaign is saying he flip-flopped. They're pissed off because Obama changed his mind. Obama's running for president. Obama's running for president to win. Obama needs money to win to be president. It's not rocket science. It all makes sense. It all adds up. So why would he opt in and limit himself when he, can, when he can raise the money and raise the money to do more strategic ads and place those ads in states where he's feeling that uh, he may lose or that uh, it's going to be a tougher time or more uh, voters that he's able to sway. Now, after he opted out, he started posting um, uh, ads across the country in states like Alaska, I think North Carolina was one. Ohio, Pennsylvania, you know, the states that he's feeling a little weary in, I think it was like between 11 and 15 states that um, he was running and started running ads in back to back to back. So, again, McCain says Obama flip-flopped. <laughs> to me, Obama changed his mind. Again, and to me, Obama figured out what was best for him. So, you know, what was good a year ago, is not good now, and you know you you, got, you have to make decisions based on the uh, changing of the climate. Things change. Why can't the man change his mind? I wouldn't call it a flip flop. He changed his mind. Anyway, getting back to uh, uh, flip flop and surge, uh, McCain. Other things that were happening is let uh, we'll bounce around a little bit that I missed um, and hadn't been on to talk about. Charlie Black. Charlie Black um, is on the uh, McCain campaign. Charlie Black came out and made a statement uh, three to four weeks ago indicating that if America was attacked, that it would probably help McCain's campaign. What the uh, What? 
if America was would have an attack, we we were attacked between now and the election. It would help McCain's campaign. That's not an exact quote, but pretty much close. Now, he apologized for his take statement. Take a hiatus. Why would McCain not ask him to step off his campaign? Resign, leave, nothing. But he turned around two weeks after that, and Bill Graham makes the statement about the mental recession. We are in a mental recession. So that means everything that you were thinking about as far as the economy, the high prices of gas, the high price of groceries, the uh, foreclosures that are happening around the country, the housing crisis, it's all mental. It's all in your mind. It's all in your head. You're Stop whining. Stop whining about it. But that's what Homeboy said. He said, Americans have turned into whiners. We are whining about a mental recession. All right, all right. Am I loony? Have I lost my mind? Am I imagining $4 a gas, um, per gallon gas at the tank? Am I imagining something? Because I was watching this story not uh, about a week ago. Said in 1999, gas prices were a dollar and 14 cents a gallon. A dollar 14 cents a gallon. 1999. It went up to maybe I think it was like 125 in 2000. Uh, maybe in 19, 2001, it went up to 145. And then in 2002, it dropped back down to uh, 135. And from then on, three, 2003, 2004, 5, 6, 7, it just was on a, it escalated, it just kept creeping up each year after that. There was never a decline since 2003. Um, last year, even a year ago at this time, it was $2 and something. $2 in 2007, like 237 And here we are in 2008, and it's between $4 and 420 no, it's not $4.25, $4.50, depending on what part of the country you're in, for unleaded, regular unleaded gas per gallon. But Phil Graham said we're in a mental recession. It's mental. And that you're whining. So if you're complaining about this, you're whining. So now going back to McKay, uh, Phil Graham resigned. Of course, I'm sure, without a doubt, he was forced to resign or asked to leave. All right, with that said, why not ask Charlie Black? Charlie Black is the one that says if America was targeted and attacked, between now and the election, it would help McCain's campaign. Uh, I don't know. My opinion, he should be out too. I haven't heard anything about getting rid of Matter of fact, 
haven't heard anything about him at all, even though he is still with McCain's campaign, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, kind of, kind of uh, uh, interesting to note, and it really <laughs> makes you think that, uh, regarding the mentality of the people that are running his campaign and that's in that camp, because somebody's not thinking straight, and somebody's not got it, somebody doesn't have it right in regards to uh, how they should run the campaign, even though I'm not a fan of McCain's campaign or his camp. But in the same token, I mean, the writing is on the wall. And can you read? Reading is fundamental. Now, we have three additional candidates in, uh, from different parties that are in the campaign. And, let's, and, and we'll talk about that for a second, how they're going to affect uh, the, the overall outcome of the election. Uh, uh, Ralph Nader, Cynthia McKinney, she's with the Green Party, and uh, Bob Barr, the, the Libertarian. Now, all before, you know, as soon as Bob Barr enters with the Libertarian, I said immediately that Bob Barr is going to affect the outcome. It wasn't until maybe like last week I saw on the news they were doing polls for um, different states. And my my prediction from the onset was that Bob Barr would receive nine percent. I saw in different um, polls that they're predicting six percent. But this, these polls are um, without including Cynthia McKinney and Ralph Nader. Now I don't really think that Cynthia McKinney is really going to have an effect, even if she. I don't even think she will receive maybe one percent of the vote. Sorry to say that, Cynthia. But then uh, what will happen is it's going to be, and I pause because I'm not sure how many states uh, Ralph Nader is going to be on the ballot in. That will kind of um, affect it too. If he's on limited states, very limited states, it's not going to be a big deal. If he's um, at least over half the states, I don't know, he might have an effect. Uh, I've been saying here lately, don't forget Bob Barr Rufo. If you're an Obama um, person, a supporter, root for Bob Barr because uh, Bob Barr really is going to take votes away from McCain. They're not talking about it a whole lot. Bob Barr says he's not a spoiler, that he's in it to win it. But, of course, he's got to be realistic. I mean, come on. Bob Barr is not going to win. He has no... There's no way he's going to win, regardless of how much he raises or whatever. But he's not going to win, but he's definitely going to affect the outcome because conservatives love Bob Barr. <laughs> the very staunch conservatives really like Bob Barr, and they don't like McCain. And it's like, where else are they going to cast their vote? And then you have a lot of the Democrats who uh, don't like Obama, but they don't necessarily want to vote Republican. I think he's going to get a lot of those votes, too. So um, he's going to be like the swing person, and he's going to definitely affect the outcome, just like Ralph Nader did in 2000, and taking, uh, and I said took, taking votes from um, um, Gore. He definitely affected the outcome of the Bush-Gore election. So... 
with that said, uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, if Bob Barr can can get some um, get some get energized. I haven't seen him on anything lately, but uh, he gets his name out there. People see who he is and uh, what he stands for. Cause a lot of people like him, and two, you know, um, you know those that don't like Obama. There's a of course, there's a race element in it, and um, uh, Bob Barr is from Georgia, and, uh, you know, again, I, I've named some other groups, but then the, the um, uh, you know, there's been a division between white and black, and the very staunch white conservatives, of course, like Bob Barr. But we'll, we'll see, again, what happens. Um, and moving towards Another controversy that has happened um, over the the last couple of weeks that I haven't talked about, um, Jesse Jackson. Um, am I? Did I sound speechless? <laughs> I, I I have a couple different takes, and I mean, I don't I don't know what to think about this guy. Um, when I, I when I first saw this this clip, and, and of course we all know the infamous clip where he's saying that he's upset because Obama quote unquote talking down to black people, and he wants to cut off his um, genital, and of course he didn't use the word genital, but um, he was talking about Obama uh, regarding Obama's Father's Day speech. And um, okay, let, let's start Obama's Father's Day speech. Number one, the the speech wasn't anything that uh, African Americans haven't heard before, haven't talked about, haven't dissected, and was dissected it two or three years ago when Bill Cosby started. Now, when Bill Cosby started talking about the black family and and uh, African American males. Uh, it did cause quite a, a firestorm, but I think at this point in time, it, it's not as it's still a sensitive subject. But uh, the way the media taught it, that there was a division in the African American community, a division between the old guard and new guard, a division in how they may vote for Obama. Uh, a division of um, Obama versus um, Jackson, all kind of takes on it. Well, let, let me diffuse some of those myths. As far as the African-American community with Barack Obama, as far as uh, a division, Obama will still receive, at the end of the day, in November, 90-some percent of the African-American vote. Believe that. <laughs> So, yeah, I heard the pundits trying to figure out what was going on with uh, black people or <laughs> there's no story there. There's, there's no story there at all. Forget that one. Okay, old guard versus new guard. Uh, okay, there they may be a difference there. And is it only, maybe only a difference there because of the generation gap. Generation gap is in all races. It doesn't matter. It's not a race thing. It's a generation gap. It has nothing to do with race. 
um, uh, Obama versus Jesse. This one I'm not too sure about. Uh, I've heard different things. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm still speculating on that one. And the reason I'm speculating is because I know that um, Jesse Jackson is a supporter of Obama. I'm not a Jesse Jackson fan, so what I'm getting ready to say, don't take it that way. I know that he's a fan of Obama. And... Um, Oh, well, let me back up before I get into that one. There's, there's also one other thing that the reason that Jesse probably made some statements is because of the fact that um, Jesse has his own um, uh, issues uh, as far as having a, a child that is deprived of Jesse. So he could have been offended. I don't know. But that, that could be it. But then, you know, why pick on Obama? Obama is, when Obama was making that speech, you've got to remember that Obama is speaking from someone who has experienced it from the other end. Obama was a child raised by a single mother whose father left him when he was very young and went back to Africa. So here is a man speaking from his own, I guess, experience with an African and father who was not present in the household, or his father not present in the household, regardless, and um, growing up in that type of uh, environment and atmosphere, and basically understands that piece of it. On the other end, uh, Jackson is the father of a child who he is not currently in the household with, and from what I understand, he has nothing to do with this child. the child at this point is um, uh, 10 years old, if I'm not mistaken. And um, uh, I don't know the number of times he's seen her, but I was reading um, Najee Ali, who lives uh, in uh, L.A., who says he um, sees his child, uh, sounds like quite often, and that Jackson has a party, a birthday party every year, in Beverly Hills, and the the child's only been invited to the party once. Uh, in regards to seeing the rest of the family, she's never met him. So um, obviously there's a a disconnect there. So again, maybe he she was offended, offended personally, and probably nobody would have even thought about uh, him and his uh, his own personal issues if he hadn't been on open mic. Now, let's get to uh, Jackson on the open mic. Number one, this is not the first time Jackson has been in front of, uh, has done an interview. He knows when there's an open mic. Not the first time he sat in that interviewer's chair. Not the first time he's been mic'd up. Actually, it's not even the first time he's made a statement on the open mic. So he knows that he's been recorded. Number two, when you look at the clip of him and the gentleman that sat next to him who I wasn't familiar with, I don't even recall his name at the moment, uh, when the guy leans over, he appears not, they don't even appear to be having a conversation. He leans over to hear what Jackson says, and then when Jackson makes the comment, he's looking perplexed as if, where did that come from? 
Now, there could be more to that clip before or after, but you don't see that. But what you do see, it does look as if the guy is like, what the, like, what is this? What what are you talking about? Where is this coming from? So um, uh, it's really, he looks really perplexed. Now, as far as the the relationship of Jesse and Obama. Now, I'm going to get way out in left field on this one because I'm really getting ready to speculate, and I haven't heard anybody say this. I heard a while back that the clergy in Chicago meet, and they meet and strategize. Now, I find it interesting. I'm going back to him and, and the mic and, and everything. But if you if you go if you recall Jeremiah Wright, and when Jeremiah Wright came to uh, Washington D.C. and spoke at the press club, uh, you know he sounded a little uh, out there. Now Jeremiah Wright is not a dumb man. Uh, actually, he's a very brilliant, smart man. And I found it interesting that you know he he kind of sort of well would admit he made a spectacle of himself. Now. I first I kind of chalked it up, but then you know I thought about it. I heard that they were having these meetings. Could it be? Could it be that they planned for him to come to D.C.? Could that now check this out? Now hold up. That they came, he came to D.C. to do that to look like a spectacle. That way the media is going to play it as if okay Jeremiah Wright really is just a crazy guy. And uh, now we understand where Obama meant by the crazy uncle. And in that way, it gets played off, and uh, no one thinks no one thinks about the association again. They look at just basically Jeremiah Wright being crazy. Now, have you heard anything else from Jeremiah Wright since then? Has he made any additional public appearances? I haven't seen it. Have he made any? They've been really, really under the radar since then. Fast forward to Jack. Jesse's on an open mic. Now, all before, you know, they've always been trying to make Obama look like the angry black man. Uh, trying to associate him, of course, with um, Louis Farrakhan or uh, Al Sharpton or, or Jesse Jackson. Um, Basically, they want to make him look like he's angry. Now, here's Jesse on an open mic talking bad about Obama and uh, or making such a, a crazy, odd statement out of the blue on an open mic. Would that not uh, diffuse or disparage any relationship that they may have between them? I know they're friends. I've actually seen them together. I've seen them together at an Obama function here in D.C. And they look real cozy and like a very, very close friendship. Of course, they're both from Chicago, been in Chicago for years. You can't tell me there's no close relationship there. And what I saw was not uh, a figment of my imagination. Now, if these clergy are meeting like they say, like I heard that they were, then who's to say that that wasn't part of strategy? Okay, so I'm a little out of left field. I could be totally wrong. Jesse Jackson just could be crazy. I can say that it's not. I've, I've heard all kinds of stories, but I don't know. Just something's not right, and something's really fishy uh, 
I, I just find it odd that that would happen now. Uh, but again, what what better way than to throw the media off the scent? <laughs> Did I laugh? Yeah, I said, what better way to throw them off the scent and, and to really manipulate the media the way they want to do it? So I don't know. I, I could be totally off the mark, could be totally wrong. I'm not a political strategist. I'm not a clergy strategist or whatever they're doing. But uh, if that is the fact, if that is what happened, God, wow, it might have been brilliant because it could have worked, and I think it had worked. So Jeremiah brings out the picture. Jesse Jackson, no association with Obama. Hmm, I don't know. It, 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 it might sound, doesn't sound plausible, but at the same time, could it be? <laughs> anyway, um, getting back to... Uh, uh, the other subject at hand, the, um, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, going back to Obama and Jason. So I don't know, you know, I, I also, now the other interesting thing, let me go, go back to Najee Ali and his commentary. He indicated something I, I found to be uh, a little disturbing, though, about Jason. I don't know this to be true, and I'm going to have to do some research. I just saw it today. If I, if I had time, I would have done the research before the show. But I need to find some clips of interviews of Jesse Jackson right after uh, King's assassination, preferably the day after, April 5th, 1968. Why that date? Well, per Najee Ali, he indicates that Jesse Jackson, well, you know, as, as you know, Jesse Jackson was at the Lorraine Hotel when um, Martin Luther King was shot and um, uh, was one of the people that, you know, bent down to help. You know, you see there's a famous picture where you see everybody pointing and you see Jesse standing there. Well, he bent down to, you know, to uh, hold Dr. King. And now... Based on Najee Ali, Jesse Jackson smeared uh, MLK's blood on his shirt. I don't know how true this is, but he says that the following day, Jesse's in Chicago, and he's um, doing interviews on Chicago television with that same shirt on, as if to say, he took it as if to say that um, the torch is being passed to him, you know, and, and I guess the signature of blood shows that, you know, I'm the next person in line as a quote-unquote leader of the black community. So um, uh, I, I, I found that to be interesting. I'm like, I've got to find, I've got to see if I can find some clips or, or um uh, segments of some interviews or something out of Chicago on that. I, I've never seen any interviews of Jesse Jackson after um, MLK's assassination. But, um, again, based on Najee Lee, that, you know, Jesse was walking around with the shirt on, I guess, you know, you want to have the same imprint in your mind as uh, Jackie Kennedy. You know, Jackie Kennedy wore the dress with uh, Kennedy's blood on it um, on the flight all the way back to um, D.C. from Dallas. 
and, you know, the imprint stays in your mind because when even when you see them swearing in LBJ on the plane, she's wearing that same dress. So, you know, fast forward five years from uh, uh, 63, from his death to 68, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was trying to do the same thing, either or. I don't know if it's true or not, but doggone it. I really got to find some clips because I'm very interested in knowing if that's true or not. And if that's the case, man, any little smidgen of respect I have him, if that's what he was doing, man, it would be lost. Um, and I'd be very disappointed because that, that just good shows that he was an opportunist. Uh, and the other thing, oh, one other uh, interesting footnote in uh, – Najee Ali's commentary was that um, he said uh, King did not trust Jesse Jackson, that he didn't trust him at all. Now, how he would know that particular piece of information, I don't know. But um, he indicates that King did not trust Jesse Jackson. And, uh, you know, he's fast forward and he said now, you know, after looking at Jesse Day, he understands why Martin Luther King never trusted him. So I, you know, again, I don't know how how much of this information is true or is not. Um, uh, it's all all hearsay. And again, I'm I'm just quoting a uh, commentary from him. But again, there's just some quite interesting points that um, he noted about Jesse Jackson and talking about um, Jesse and the. Um, uh, disparaging remarks that he made lately. But again, there's a lot of different takes on why he said it, what he said, and 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 one other note. Uh, there's a I don't know if it's Fox said it or who started the rumor, but I still haven't seen a clip of this either. Uh, it said that Jesse used the N word uh, on the open mic during the same time. Now it said that he wasn't calling. Obama, the N-word, but he used it while sitting in that chair in that open mic. How true that is, I don't know. I'd like to see the clip if that's true because I'd like to know what context he, he uh, used it in. Not that any context would be right, but again, I'd like to know what context he used it in because Jesse Jackson is the same one who wanted to ban the N-word two years ago. So if he's banning it, hmm, why would it come out of his mouth? And why would it come out of his mouth on an open mic? But if that's true, well, actually, I think it was O'Reilly's show that said he he said it. Uh, and usually Pat O'Reilly would like to uh, uh, take the opportunity to jump on anything that is, to me, negative. So... I don't know if that's true. I'm just curious of why he wouldn't um, release that part of the tape. He released uh, the comments that he made about Obama, so why would he not release uh, Obama, um, Jackson saying the N-word? Because, again, I really, and anybody else would be interested in seeing why he would even use the word and in what context he used it in. But... I don't know. That's exactly as I, uh, it was out on the uh, net that that was the case for a couple of days. People kept asking Fox to release it, and Fox never released it. And Fox has always been a, uh, 
a media outlet that focuses on, again, focuses on the real negative um, and and not the positive, especially if if you're a uh, if you're not a conservative. So if you if you're remotely liberal, <laughs> they focus on anything negative that you have to say. So you know, again, it's odd that they would say he used it and not release it. So. Um, We'll we see what happens with that, but it's uh, interesting enough that he, if that's true, none of the oh, and and again, I saw MSNBC was trying to get this particular clip from um, Fox, and Fox didn't release it to them either. So go figure. Um, what's up with that, <laughs> and why is that uh, so mysterious? Anyway, I'll get away from Jesse. You know that's but. On OD on Jesse tonight, but since I had been out of the loop for quite a while, I hadn't been um, um, on the air for a minute. I just wanted to touch on that. And going back to again the subject at hand, I didn't talk about this either, but uh, in the actual blog um, that it's been uh, regurgitated over and over and over. But since I've been out, the New Yorker last week released that uh, cover with the satire of Obama and um, Michelle. And um, it wasn't the first time I've seen a cover like that. And that was the first time on a national publication. If you go to uh, my blog or my website, actually either or, if you go to carolive.com and you click on diary and you stroll down on the um, uh, on the blog piece there, you see two pictures of the covers that were um, released in Georgia. One with uh, Obama, this is like a rifle um, image, oh, the, the, the image that you would see through a rifle targeted at Obama. And the other one is an uh, image of Michelle. She's in a red dress. And the KKK uh, looks like that they're about to uh, lynch her. So uh, again, both of these images were out of uh, publications that were out of Georgia. Uh, the articles that were in those publications uh, that went with those images were not bad articles, but the images themselves were very disturbing. So when I saw the New Yorker, I wasn't as as shocked as some people because I'd already seen they're portrayed in this particular light. But again, regardless of the fact, it's still disturbing. And, um, you know, I don't know if the caption, because they, they said that the satire was called the politics of, um, oh, God, I forgot next week if I said politics of war. Uh, the politics of media, the politics of something. Uh, God, I'm sorry. I can't even remember the name of it now. I don't know if the caption would have helped um, uh, with the depiction of what, what they did. Could have, could not. I mean, it would probably would have made it maybe a table understanding of what they were trying to do. But at the same time, um, gosh, it was still just disturbing because the, the, the images that they are trying to uh, get away from and have a hard time. And when you have people that live in, I always call it middle America, 
who don't really keep up with the news and um, only catch snippets of things who uh, still believe that he's Muslim uh, based on the fact that she made the comment about, you know, the first time in her adult life, um, um, you know, comments, you know, the comments that she made that make her look, they think that make her look unpatriotic. Uh, well, first time her done life, she's proud of her country. I think that's how it went. Um, things that they, quote, unquote, think make her look unpatriotic. Um, this is an experiment. You're going to betray her with an afro when her hair is not even afro. Um, like she's um, uh, part of the Black Panther movement. Uh, you know, whatever it takes to to make her look, I don't know, hard. <laughs> well, People in America take that offensive gospel. Um, it's not as uh, clean cut and, 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 and um, not as, um, they take it as face value. Maybe that's what I should say. They just take those images at face value. And it's just hard to live those images down. And I, I've said it in past shows, when I was in um, Ohio, I worked the Obama campaign in Ohio. And I met this guy, um, white guy, who, when we were talking to him about Obama, the only thing he did was he asked me, well, isn't he, isn't he Muslim? What is it with the Muslim thing? You know, and I'm having to tell him, you know, stuff that I'm thinking you should know if you just watch the news. Uh, but, you know, if you're only catching snippets and, and your focus is um, you have a have your focus is tunnel vision and you're not seeing outside of lines and you're stuck in the box, then it's kind of hard to uh, for these people to see uh, otherwise. And, you know, again, same thing happened in North Carolina when uh, we were campaigning and, you know, people were saying that, you know, his, uh, look at his middle name. Uh, he's going to kill us all. You know, you need to recognize. Um, it's it's, it's is horrifying at the, um, and I'll say ignorance that, you know, surrounds the country in really um, watching both campaigns. And I say both because, you know, you have to review both candidates to make, you know, a rational decision. And not to say that if you make a decision to McCain, you're irrational, but, I mean, just if, if you are interested in staying in the war, then you should well, you know, you should vote for uh, uh, McCain. And that's the other thing. McCain has said, you know, a couple months ago that he anticipated that we would occupy Iraq for 100 years. Well, interesting enough, uh, the um, uh, president of Iraq, Malachi, has indicated that he thinks that uh, America should be out of there in two years, by 2010. And McCain had also said that if Iraq said that we should leave, we should leave. Hmm, who's flip-flopping? Because now he still hasn't backed up off that statement. Uh, well, let me back up. He has been backing off of his statement. He's been doing the, the back, backstroke ever since he said the 100 years. Then he says he's not going to say any timeline. Even though they want us out, he can't even indicate a timeline of us being out in 2010, which now makes it look like Obama 
was right on target in regards to what the timetable should be. Hmm. Again, interesting. Interesting enough that the tides are turning. Uh, who is really doing the flip-flop? But it's, again, too, if we notice, you know, even though they do a lot of name-calling, uh, a lot of um, pointing the finger and whatever they can at the Obama campaign, the Obama campaign does not do the same thing in turn. Sometimes I think that they should at least throw it out there because, again, when you're talking about the middle Americans, um, uh, they don't really watch or focus on the news. And if they catch those little snippets in your ad, Obama, <laughs> then, you know, they may know just a little bit more than they would because if you're not putting it out there, they're not going to get it. I, I think that was the same problem that he had while running against Hillary. I'm not saying dog anybody out, but at the same time, be a little more forceful in the ad. Um, you know, it's okay to talk to the educated, intelligent people, but everybody's not educated and everybody's not intelligent. And those, again, middle Americans not to um, talk bad about anybody. But if you're not focusing on following the news, <laughs> you will miss it. So anyway, it's just interesting of how, you know, now McCain is just continually to talk about how Obama uh, got the surge wrong, got the surge wrong. He was wrong. We had the surge, did the surge, that uh, we would lose the war. We've already lost the war. Why I say we already lost the war? Look at the economy. It's the economy, stupid. It's the economy. And the one thing that I titled wanted from the very jump was for uh, to affect the American economy. That's why they attacked the World Trade Center, the Betacon, whatever it took to affect the economy. Here we are, what, five, six years down the line? Six, seven now. Wow, time is flying. Six years down since 2001, and the economy is shot. They are sitting back laughing. It's the economy, stupid. And as long as we are, our economy is failing, they're happy. That's why there's no tax. They're elated. They got what they wanted. An American economy done. We're done. And we don't get out of this war. We really will be toast. Anyway, um, feel free to email me, any show ideas that you may have, or check out my website at carolive.com. It's always a pleasure. Hope I help uh, catch you up on some of the news. Sorry I've been out of loop for a minute, but it's always great to be back. Again, I'm on at uh, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Carolive. Again, it's Carolive. Dot com. Thanks again for listening to Caroline.